Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each Thursday, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. Enjoy the show! Hi, I'm Gabe. Hi, I'm Jamie. Hi, I'm Randy. And this week, uh, Donald Trump has decided to take out one of his... uh, (laughs) He doesn't have many surrogates. They talk about how he definitely has a deficit and Hillary has all these other people. You're saying people don't want to represent Donald Trump? You know, something like that. (laughs) Please continue. I know. (laughs) So, but he does have his kids... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're kind of required. Yeah, exactly. Who are required to do it. Although they're probably happy to do it. Um, I mean, it is technically their They're father, getting paid. So. Yeah. Are they getting paid? I'm sure they're getting paid. You think so? They're taking money. If, if you want to call it payment, you want to call it allowance, whatever you want to call it. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, they each have VP titles. They're getting paid. They're on the payroll. Yeah. I mean, I know they work for the Trump organization. You think the campaign pays them oh, too? Oh, they're they're they have campaign titles. Oh yeah. Oh. Oh I yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah, like okay. the Trump son is VP of something something and yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, that's one of the biggest accusations is that the Trump campaign money is uh, being used to purchase things from the, the Trump businesses. So they have a big schmancy yeah. event, and yeah. really it's just they're taking campaign dollars and giving it to the venue where they're holding the event at, mm-hmm. which is owned by Donald Trump. Exactly. Yeah, I know that was sort of a big thing right. when they mm-hmm. like went up. They were like using rent, th- yeah. uh, renting yeah. at the Trump Tower, yeah. and then their rent for the campaign went up like three times what it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, he's shady. Once he started raising... Sorry, anyway. that wasn't your point. Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so this week, uh, you know, because Donald Trump's been... He's been trying to faux reach out to African-Americans, but really <laughs> that whole thing was to reach out to, you know, white suburban women independent who, you know, sometimes vote Democrat, sometimes vote Republican. And basically that was his signal to them like, hey, I'm not a racist, which if <laughs> so you all true. believe that, then mm-hmm. I don't know what to say about you. <laughs> but <laughs> so don't believe that. But anyway, so this week he directly appealed to them by um, toting out this uh, maternity leave plan. It's specifically maternity leave, so it doesn't apply to fathers. But she you know Trump's, you know, philosophy on parenting anyway is that fathers don't parent. It's right. the, what, this is mm-hmm. a woman's job. Um, he said very clearly that he doesn't, you know, change diapers or do stuff like that. Like, that's the woman's job. Right. So, you know, I know stay-at-home dads. Mm-hmm. I know stay-at-home dads, you know, um, who, yeah, <laughs> who are doing all the work and, you know, the wife for whatever reason because she's making more mm-hmm. and childcare is so expensive, you know. At this point in time, because it is so expensive, somebody has to stay at home because even if you have two incomes, that's probably still not going to cover, like, mortgage bills, you probably got student loan payments, mm-hmm. car payments, and then another $1,000 for child care. So when y'all probably going to have to stay home. Right. Um, and again, with this one, it's if you happen to be the woman who's making more money and your husband doesn't make as much as you, this plan is not going to help you. Yeah. Like, because why would, why would the parent who makes less money then stay at their job and the other one stays home? But if that's the situation you're in, because again, it's strictly maternity leave, it's not family leave. Right. Which I'm like, 
I don't even understand why you wouldn't just make it family leave so that then the family can decide which one of them, you know, is mm-hmm. going to stay at home. But again, you know his philosophy, and I'm sure that's partly why. And also people made the point that now, because if you only have maternity leave, then yeah, of course, as an employer, you're going to think, okay, this woman, like, she has kids, then she's going to take you know, advantage of the maternity leave and uh, whether as if you hire a man, there is no paternity leave or family leave, so he right. can't take time off. Yeah, right. Well, they were actually saying, I was reading something um, this morning about it that, you know, you talk about the need for family leave or maternity leave in this case, and it actually is the paternity part of family leave, paternity leave that actually increases gender equity in the workplace. It isn't the maternity leave. It's actually giving fathers the time off. But yeah. also, Actually, his daughter, who was stumping for this, mm-hmm. uh, I was reading actually a really good Cosmopolitan article. They do a really good job of political yeah, coverage. Yeah, I read it. Um, and she, there was an interview with his daughter about it, yeah. and they specifically were like, so two gay men mm-hmm. adopt a baby. They can't take any time off. Exactly. And she was like... Well, the details are on the website, but I mean, yes. but the answer was no. Yeah, yeah, yeah the answer no. was no. Yeah. Well, and the other piece of this is so you know, at six weeks of some kind of paid through the unemployment. Again, this is a Trump plan, so yeah. you know, it's not a real plan. It's some words spoken out loud that don't make sense entirely. Mm-hmm. So six weeks of paid in some way through unemployment compensation. Six weeks. Yeah, which is the amount of time physically it takes your body to recover. Yes. It can take six to eight weeks if you have a C-section. So you you may not actually be medically cleared to go back to work until eight weeks later. Right. So, you know, there's two more weeks that she doesn't have. But then um, beyond that, it has, you know, a stay-at-home mom tax credit, which you're only going to take if you make a ton of money. Yeah, it it only starts at... So this plan... This was no, it starts at all plan. of them. It starts at all of them. But the yeah. thing is that once you get su- to such a low tax bracket where you're paying such little tax, you can't get credits. No, exactly. So it doesn't help you. And, it's, um... Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Randy no, has a problem. It's a, it's a bullshit plan. Yeah. So, like, yeah, so the child right. care tax credit and the, you know, stay-at-home mom only, again, yeah. tax credit... It doesn't help low-income families that probably aren't paying a lot of taxes in the first place because they're probably earned income tax credit families and those kinds of things. So, mm-hmm. you know, you've got somebody making minimum wage, barely getting by, having to pay these huge child care bills. They will get absolutely nothing out nothing. of the Donald Trump plan. Nothing. But this family making $250,000 over here, putting their kid in fancy private preschool and private school. It actually is a tax credit for putting your kid in some of family private it does. school. Of course. Yeah. So, you know, you're sending your kid to some country day school school and you're getting a tax credit for it where this barely getting by you know working class woman gets Mm -hmm. absolutely nothing out of the trump plan which sounds like a trump plan to me exactly so yeah that's his maternity leave plan yeah Yeah. it's it's incredibly important to you know and and this is not to take anything away from maternity leave Mm -hmm. but it's incredibly important to also express you know what paternity leave Means, And mm-hmm. I say that as somebody who has two kids. And when my second child was born, mm-hmm. you know, I said to my employer, hey, my wife's pregnant. She's going to have a baby. I would like to take some time off and was told there's no such thing as a paternity leave program here. This is your vacation time that you have allotted. You can use your vacation time. Mm-hmm. We'll authorize you to take, you know, a vacation 
to take care and of it wasn't, baby. And it wasn't any was form of paid? paid family leave. It was paid because it was my vacation time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, that's... That's time that any person has that yeah. they could use as a vacation. It and I was mean, not. How much vacation time do you act? Most people only get two or three weeks vacation. I a had year. two weeks. Yeah. So what when our second child to... came home, I I had to use my two weeks of vacation time. So you know there was. And that was it. Yeah. You know, and then when the holidays roll around and you want to take some time in between Christmas and New Year's, you've already taken that it. time was taken. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so it's. It's something that many employers don't even think about, but mm-hmm. you know the first two weeks after having a child are incredibly important to be uh, either at home or more likely at the yeah. grocery store. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, running some errands. Yeah, it you know mm-hmm. it it takes uh, ideally um, you know. It takes a family to make a family. Yes, uh, and and you know having that partner. Uh, available and not having mm-hmm. to be chained to their desk all day is is really critical. Mm-hmm. So, you know, paid paternity leave, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. absolutely. Well, it just I'm gets... like, let's just not put a gender on it. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. just have paid family leave. I agree. And you can yeah. use it how mm-hmm. you want to use it. And then right. families could take the six, you know, if they wanted to, you know, both of them could stay home for the first two weeks and then one could go back for another four and then you could take the other four at the end of the six so that right. somebody was yeah. home. Because a lot of daycares don't take kids until they're 12 weeks exactly. old. So exactly. So what is that woman going to do at the end of her six six weeks? Right. Mm-hmm. Where she's got another six weeks before a daycare is even going to accept her child exactly. into daycare. But it also, again, and there was another story in the news this week that kind of backs this one up, just shows how our society doesn't value dads. It's this whole idea that dad's babysitting his kids at home or, you know, Mm -hmm. dad isn't a valuable co-parent to these children. We saw it, uh, you know, with Chelsea Clinton this week, too, when Fox had a thing up on on their Facebook page talking about how... Um, Chelsea Clinton was a bad mom because she um, was out campaigning for her mom on her two-year-old daughter's first day of preschool. And, oh, my God, her dad had to take her. Oh, my (laughs) God. What a travesty. (laughs) What a travesty. Her dad walked her to preschool in New York City when she was two on her first day of preschool. I don't understand this. Two-year-olds don't go to preschool. (laughs) Two-year-olds go to daycare. They go to a babysitter, child care provider, Preschool is like the year or two years before kindergarten. Yeah, I thought so. We're talking like four or five here. Okay, a two-year-old. Yeah, this is New York City. This is New York City, so it was probably a competitive process where you had to beat out fifty other families to get into some prestigious preschool that'll Mm -hmm. determine which which you know college your kid goes to in you know sixteen years. I I don't think. Uh, I don't think a Clinton had to, to struggle to beat out anybody. No, no. Spot to school. Oh, hello. but I'm objecting no. to the uh, to the the classification of this as preschool. <laughs> Two does seem young for preschool. Mm-hmm. She's and going somewhere to color and, and play for this for daughter hours. to be taken somewhere by her father mm-hmm. is yeah. not a bad thing in any circumstances. Yes. No, my dad you know. was like my primary caregiver because he had time off. Like mm-hmm. he worked a much more flexible job. So if I got sick at school or those kinds of things, or he didn't work in a hospital, my mom worked in a hospital. So she was her shift started at six thirty in the morning. Yeah. So it was my dad that braided my hair that was at that point way longer than it is currently, mm-hmm. um, and you know took me to school every morning and those kinds of things and. You know, that was a strong relationship and it was a really great relationship in my childhood to like derade dads for, you know, taking care of their kids is just, it's so ridiculous and I hate when I see it. So go dads. Yes. Go dads. We're trying. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 
Uh, so you guys missed a really awesome concert. <laughs> I watched on the live stream. It I was, was totally badass. I was legitimately, me, legitimately. <laughs> so sad you cannot Legit- pronounce legitimately. <laughs> I was legitimately angry <laughs> when I saw all the pictures from the concert and I knew that I was not there, obviously. <laughs> But fine, go ahead and tell us about the amazing time that you had. This was badass. In (laughs) Cleveland, the all-access concert. I'm not even apologetic. Mm -mm. Um, (laughs) It was amazing. Uh, They had national acts there. Sia, um, who I don't personally listen to, but I've seen her on Saturday Night Live. Mm -hmm. What's funny, if you watch the Saturday Night Live clip, she's introduced by that week's host, Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is kind of funny. Yeah. But I mean, you know, really great, totally, you know, awesome singing talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Leslie Jones was just really hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, just standing up there, ripping through uh, a comedy routine. Uh, the absolute highlight of the night, though, for us um, was seeing, first off, three really powerful women telling their abortion stories. Mm-hmm. Um one of which was Mallory from preterm. Uh, so, you know, a friend of ours from here in the state of Ohio, um, Renee Bracey Sherman, uh, and MJ Flores were the other two, um, each, you know, presenting really yes. great stories. Um, so that was amazing to see. I, I, uh, was able to get a press pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as each of these people were speaking or as these acts were going on, I was like wandering around the floor with a big camera shooting a bunch of pictures. We'll put them on our blog. Um, but uh, I was able to work my way up to uh, towards the front where our uh, executive director, Kelly Copeland, was sitting uh, right after Mallory uh, told her story. <laughs> yeah. And it was just waterworks, <laughs> tears flowing. She was like the proudest mama bear ever. That is <laughs> too great. Just, you know, seeing these stories get told. Um, and we're going to give the That's What She Said to Jessica Williams, the uh, Daily Show star who was the MC of the event, um, who referred to our Patients to Advocates group as an abortion supergroup. They stood up. They uh, shared yeah. a poem that they had written. Um, you know, so often, you know, since I started working with Planned Parenthood back in, in 2008, so many events have been, you know, this is a women's health event, which is great, you know, yeah. and mm-hmm. people are supporting, you know, right for somebody to get a well woman exam or, you know, maybe it's a, uh, a right for, you know, sexual freedom, LG, LBGT rights, you know, seeing gay marriage get legalized here in the country. All of these things have been really great. Mm-hmm. But this was an abortion rights event. There was absolutely mm-hmm. no... Um, you know, dialing it down. We weren't hiding behind any language. Mm-hmm. This was for abortion rights. I've never seen anything yeah. like this anywhere in the country, uh, yeah. you know, in the amazing. past decades. Mm-hmm. It was totally badass. That's yeah, it awesome. really was. I mean, the the patients, the advocates, when they came on stage, I mean, I was watching on my iPad at home, and um, it just, I mean, it looked so impressive even on the video feed. Mm-hmm. And... They just set them up in such a powerful way, and it really did show their individual power, you right. know. And it's funny because that program was one that we heard about. Kelly and I heard about it at a conference in Chicago like six years ago, seven years ago now. Um, and um, because the Chicago Abortion Fund did something similar to it, not quite the same. 
And at that point, we're like, oh, my God, I love that. I want to do that. And, you know, it wasn't until, you know, preterm really emerged as a more advocacy partner and New Voices Cleveland came in that we were really able mm-hmm. to do something because you need the right partners in, a, in yeah. a group like that. So, you know, when we got New Voices Cleveland in and preterm was more active and the RCRC was, was more active, it kind of felt like the right time to do this. And, you know, I was thinking recently, I was like, I don't know that we, you know, thought six years ago that when we eventually implemented the program, you know, they would be sharing the stage with Sia and Leslie Jones and and all those people, you know, telling their stories to a nationally broadcast audience. The other really hilarious thing is that, you know, the anti-choice groups have really kind of gone all like crazy about all this stuff. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there was one comment on one of their Facebook pages that, that they looked up the event and they didn't know what it was. They almost got tickets for it. Oops. And then <laughs> they looked it up and they realized what it was about. And it was, it was all about abortion access. It wasn't even pro-choice. It was right. about access to abortion. And oh my God. And I'm like, I'm glad you got the point. Thanks. You know? Right. And the funniest part is, you know, I've been at things before where we've been talking about, you know, more broadly the pro-choice issue. Yeah. And, yeah. and the people have crashed our events several times. are like, why don't you stop hiding behind pro-choice? and just say what you're for. And yeah. of course, I always then say, yeah, I'm yeah, totally pro-abortion. For... Like, I really want people to have access to abortion when they need yeah. access to abortion. And so, you know, now we've done what they've been screaming at us for do, to do forever, and they're like, oh, my God. I don't understand why they act like <laughs> abortion access is some far leap from being pro-choice. <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? Like, yeah. okay. Right. So, yeah, so it was a great, really out loud abortion, abortion, abortion kind of event. And it was, and, you know, Mm -hmm. the the place was, you know, full. It was, you know, there were tons of people in all the pictures and, you know, the crowd noise supporting. Mm -hmm. Do you expect, you know, an audience to be like, yeah, for Leslie Jones and Sia and everything else? Yeah. But, you know, the storytellers got the same amount of applause as the the acts did. You know, these were not a bunch of people who were, you know, duped into a Sia concert. You know, these were, you know, hard. (laughs) core supporters who really did believe in the message of the show right incredibly powerful uh check out our blog narrowprochoiceohio.com um we'll have uh if you go to the blog post in the uh show notes for this episode um we recorded uh, about 10 minutes of uh facebook live video with the three storytellers they were very gracious to come uh, and uh, hang out with me before the show. Uh, so we um, we recorded them kind of talking about why it was important for them to share their story a little bit more than, than what even they gave on the stage. Um, so we'll have that in the show notes uh, along with all, uh, all the pictures that I took from, from right up front in, in front of the front row <laughs> as Leslie Jones just screaming her way through. Just really... I mean, it was like... It was, it was kind of like what I visualized being at a Richard Pryor concert. I mean, just a comedian who is at the top of their game, just letting it fly. It was amazing. I'm sorry. I'm like, Gabe wants me to hit him right now. <laughs> I think he might. But it was so bad. He's working on it for sure. Uh-huh. We get it. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. It was. Yeah. <laughs> and I was getting rained on. Yes. <laughs> Not only were you at hot times, you were getting rained on at hot yes. times. Yeah, the protesters outside this event were getting rained on, too. There was a nasty storm yeah. that swept through right when it was yeah. starting, and I was like, hmm, there's people outside holding up signs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a damn shame. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't God protect them? <laughs> hmm. Yes. 
In other interesting news this week, on Monday, um, we got a little bit of a surprise. We um, we knew that the Attorney General was going to rule on whether or not this new ballot initiative that we talked about last week mm-hmm. um, was able to continue with signature collection. If you missed last week, Ohio had introduced, some crazy people in Ohio had introduced an amendment that would be on the ballot at some point when they collected enough signatures. Um, not, never was going to be this year because they were too late for this year. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have reclassified abortion as aggravated murder in Ohio. Um, it also included many forms of birth control and um, many processes of, of fertility treatments. Mm-hmm. So your IUD makes you a murderer, just so you know, under this plan. So um, in order to get qualified for the ballot, you have to have the AG approve your summary language as valid, that it represents the actual amendment, and you have to turn in a 1,000 valid signatures, which is right. the key word in that sense, valid. Mm-hmm. Um, they turned, I guess they turned in 1,006, which anybody who... 1006. Yes. <laughs> Needed 1,000, turned in 1,006. Uh, anyone who's ever does ballot initiatives know yeah. you need at least a 25% pad, if not a solid 50% pad Ooh, on yeah. that, especially when you get in the higher ones. The lower ones probably get a 25. Yeah. So they really should have turned in you know, about 1250. Um, but anyway, they failed to actually reach the 1,000. They had like 846 valid signatures. Right. Wah, mm-hmm. wah. Um, so... Um, the AG did not rule on the language. We'll have to go back and right. yeah. do that again when they turn in their thousand signatures again. But yeah, they need to um, go back to the drawing board and start all over again with their thousand signatures, um, which oh, they I have pledged. They only to have do. to get the uh, the laws really. The the laws, or no, the law is really okay. unclear. I actually read it back again, and it okay. really is unclear. I think it's because people usually don't fail at getting a thousand petition signatures when they're going to have to do three hundred. Yeah, but um, I went back. So the when you turn in the full f- number, you have ten days to collect additional ones and kind of refile. Okay. Um, but that doesn't exist in the the code section for the initial thousand, so I don't think that applies. And the AG didn't write that in his letter, and he usually does, so I don't think that counts. And multiple news reports have said they've got to start over again. Uh, so okay. the law's a little hinky. I don't know if they could, you know, because they have right. those signatures, if they could keep those signature books and just because if they were a good campaign, they made copies of all those, which I'm sure they probably didn't because they don't know what they're doing. Well, that's that's a lot of effort to copy all of those. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I think the important takeaway here is that this was rejected by the Attorney General's office, but <laughs> it was not Mike DeWine saying, no, I reject this proposal. Of course not, yeah. This was math. Yes. Mm-hmm. They needed 1,000. They did not have 1,000. They're going to try again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the important point, is that this thing, mm-hmm. because it did not pass the first hurdle, doesn't mean that it's dead. They're going yeah. to give it more mm-hmm. effort. These people did not come up with this thing just... You know, sitting they around. They got all uh, the time in the world. Yeah. They do. They ain't got shit else to do. <laughs> Other than sit outside of an abortion <laughs> clinic and scream at women. So, exactly. you know, collecting petition signatures is a way better hobby they than do. that. Yes. So, uh, so this, is, this is not going away, and this was not a rejection from Mike DeWine. No. Mm-hmm. In the sense of what we normally take to be the meaning of the word rejection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they missed the hurdle. Technicality, basically. Yeah. Yes. Um, so something to keep uh, watching out for. Mm-hmm. Uh, a decision that Mike DeWine did make last week, um, which is actually something where he was making a choice, a really stupid choice, <laughs> um, is uh, Ohio Attorney General Mike DeWine's appealing the decision 
um, that is currently uh, assisting to keep capital care open, Toledo's last abortion clinic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've won now two decisions in a row from uh, the Lucas County judge in the 6th District uh, court up there saying mm-hmm. that the state's transfer agreement requirements uh, are complete crap. Uh-huh. I wish that was the word the judge used, but yeah. um, but what he they, pretty much said that. I mean, <laughs> he may not have actually said completely crap, but yeah, that's what he basically but said. The the sixth district was using the whole women's health Supreme Court decision as guidance. Yeah. So they're saying, hey, the high court just gave us very you know crystal clear uh, language on how to interpret this law. Mm-hmm. The state does you know the state's transfer agreement requirements. Don't meet it. Mm -mm. This is unconstitutional. So uh, the 6th District referred to it as unconstitutional using brand new Supreme Court guidance. Uh Mike DeWine is saying, no, I don't think so. That's my (laughs) Mike DeWine voice. Um, And he's appealing this to the state Supreme Court. So Mike DeWine gets a walk of shame this week. So it's basically like you're still trying to appeal the whole women's health case. Like, yeah, you're basically still trying to say that these restrictions are... Right. Medically necessary, and they're not an undue burden, but it's already been determined that they are. Right. <sighs> so he's going to spend taxpayer dollars and keep smacking his head against a, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a wall that we now know to be brick. Yes. <laughs> you well, ain't getting through. When do we get to the point of when? I mean, would we have to take? Would they have to take their specific case to the Supreme Court in order to get to a point where it'd be like, okay? W- We've already determined that this is not like this is an undue burden. Mm-hmm. Like, what it when depends. would we get to the Toledo get to the point of being like, okay, this is over and done with? Well, like, you this, lost. This case can't go to the U.S. Supreme Court because it was filed in state court. So the highest court that they can go to with this case uh-huh. is the state Supreme Court. Okay, which is ugly. Yeah, ugly, ugly, ugly court. <laughs> but even the, with them, they would still have the precedent that the Supreme Court already. Yes and no, and the fact that. The state court works a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are some legal technicalities there that, that will bore the crap out of our listeners that we can talk about later. But, um, but I mean, and, and but the thing is, like, they didn't just rule on whole women's health. Mm-hmm. They made two other con- state constitutional arguments in this, too. Number one, that this was put in the budget bill. Yeah. This requirement that abortion clinics have transfer agreements was put in the Ohio budget and the Ohio constitution says you can only have one subject per bill. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, regulating abortion clinics has absolutely nothing to do with creating a state budget and guidance for how the the state spends its money to completely different subjects. Mm -hmm. So they, they ruled on that. The court ruled in our favor on that as well. Um, said that it did very much violate the, the, um, the single subject rule. And then she also, um, Jennifer Branch, the attorney um, for the case, also argued that the transfer agreement gives a third party um, basically the power to grant or deny the license. So, you know, the, the saying that the High Department of Health is unconstitutionally abdicating their responsibility on this licensing to this third party, which is yeah. the hospital, because yeah. if they can't get a transfer agreement with the hospital, they can't get a license. Exactly. Right. So the hospital really holds the power where ODH should hold the power. Yeah. And again, we won on that. She yeah. actually argued a third um, argument, and the court was like, we've already, like, ruled up against you, like, three times, so we're just not even going to deal with this down here. Yeah. Um, so... 
they lost three separate arguments in two separate courts now, and DeWine is continuing this. So in order to go all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, what would have to happen is, you know, and could happen is if we lose at the state Supreme Court level, this mm-hmm. case could then be filed in federal court. Because we filed this in state court because we hadn't gotten the whole men's health. I mean, this case is right. multiple years old. Yeah. And before whole women's health, the undue burden standard really was not something that the Supreme Court was upholding in any way, shape, or form. Nothing was an undue burden. 24, 72-hour waiting periods. All of this stuff really wasn't being ruled in a way that was helpful to us. Yeah. So, you know, when when the lawyers evaluated, you know, where to take this case, they thought that the state court case was a much stronger case. And now we've won twice on it. So, yeah, it's a strong case. Mm-hmm. But um, so now we could, you know, depending on what happens to state court, court then go into federal court and kind of start this whole process over again, taking multiple years and those kinds of things. So yay for Mike DeWine wasting my taxpayer dollars. Skippy, skippy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he's already had yeah. to pay $2.1 million because of the gay marriage case. Yeah. The state had to pay $2.1 million for that. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they, um, he had to pay Planned Parenthood like 43000 last year because he filed, he said those ridiculous things and threatened to sue Planned Parenthood on the fetal tissue stuff. But and then he lost on that. So he had to pay the lawyer fees of $43,000 on that. So mm-hmm. just how much of my taxpayer dollars is Mike DeWine, you know? Right. Going to personally spend on my on his personal crusade against abortion providers. Exactly. Right. Unfortunately, we're not the only state that's doing it yeah. too. It's a lot of cash strapped states. <laughs> right. As they say, spending unnecessary money on trying to fight abortion restrictions. Right. Well, Dewine wants to run for governor, so yep. um, yeah, he's gonna keep on going and keep <laughs> on going. Yeah. Well, and and him spending taxpayer dollars to fight losing battles is going to be something yeah. that'll be continued to be discussed. Mm-hmm. But the people. Like, they've done polls. The people don't even want, like, defending a Planned Parenthood. And the people, like, even though they might be in what they call the mushy middle, the most of them are still pro-choice in some fashion. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't... Seven and ten. Seven and ten. I'm like, who who is these people that they're trying to, like... Uh, I guess I guess Trump's Re- people. What Republican yeah. primary voters, <laughs> because that's what yeah. he needs to become the candidate bless in the first place. Yeah, that's all I can say. Bless their heart. All right, Randy, take us home. <laughs> yes. On that note, um, we have a lot of work to do to make sure these people. Um, well, we can't do anything about Mike Dewine right now, but we can. There's <laughs> work we can do to make other make sure other pro-choice champions are put into office, make sure they stay in office, and make sure we don't let the people who are against us get into office. So that's why we started our Volunteer Rewards Program, and we've been phone banking um, here in Columbus, Dayton, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Toledo. Um, You can reach us at volunteer at prochoiceohio.org. And, yeah, you're going to get rewards uh, for putting in volunteer hours. And, again, you know, the polls are tightening here. Right now, I think Rob Portman is up in Ohio. A significant amount. Yeah, a very significant amount, which is not good. Um, I don't know what the polls right now between Trump and Hillary. It's pretty even. There have been one that oversampled Republicans that showed Trump up, and there was one that oversampled Democrats that showed Hillary up. So I'm going to take that one as a wash. (laughs) The phrase you're looking for is dead heat. Yeah, dead heat. Yeah, basically a dead heat, which is not good. So, yeah, we have a lot of work to do. So, again, contact us, volunteer at prochoiceohio.org. 
and you know we gotta put uh, we gotta put some work in. Yeah, because I mean we talk about the you know the ballot initiative, which we've started calling the Trump amend- Trump Amendment, because it really is. Right. Because in order for that ever to see the light of day legally, yeah. Trump needs to become president and he needs to put people on the Supreme Court. He could, you know, the next president's going to put up to three, maybe even four people onto that court. Yeah. Right. Do you want that to be Donald Trump? Because exactly. the people with that ballot initiative very much do. Yeah. Because they need those judges in order for that to happen. So, yeah. We and need I'm to make sure, sure you all not. don't hate making phone calls as much as you would hate having Donald Trump as your president. Exactly. So, so. put some work in for these next two months and then I'll leave you alone for a little while. Not really, because then we Not go to really. lame ducks. You, you've got to hang out for another six weeks until December 15th, yes. and then we and can then all go I'll have a leave break. you alone. <laughs> okay, good. It never ends. Okay. <clears throat> On that note, we'll see everybody next week. Bye. Bye.